1: And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right
0: now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will
1: do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people
2: who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baird.
0: As we approach the one-year mark since Russia invaded Ukraine, President Biden made a surprise visit to Kiev, announcing new military aid for the war against Russia along with new sanctions against Moscow in a speech in Warsaw, Poland.
1: One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kiev. Well, I just come from a visit to Kiev, and I can report Kyiv stands strong.
0: And the race for the 2024 presidency picking up former President Donald Trump and former South Carolina Governor former ambassador to the United Nations as well, Nikki Haley, have both announced their candidacy for the presidency, with a rumored candidate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, visiting New York, Pennsylvania, <coughs> and Illinois to show his support for law enforcement. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Senior Political Analyst for Fox News, Juan Williams, Chief Political Correspondent for the Washington Examiner, and Fox News contributor Byron York, and Fox News White House Correspondent Peter Ducey traveling with the president. Uh, Peter, you're over in Poland, and that surprise visit was a surprise. Uh, The fallout from that uh, kind of standing with NATO and against Russia.
2: And that might become a much more expensive proposition because when President Biden goes out the day after a surprise trip to Kiev and says uh, that Russia will never win in Ukraine, and that the U.S. will always be there for Ukraine, that means that the U.S. support is going to be indefinite. And publicly, U.S. officials are sounding an alarm that China and President Xi might soon be arming Russia and Putin. And if that happens, that this this commitment to be there forever with Ukraine is going to be extremely, extremely expensive. The U.S. has already spent... 130 billion or committed 130 billion dollars to this effort that number will skyrocket uh if the president keeps up the commitment that he made today
0: it's reported that president xi is planning to go to moscow to meet with uh, vladimir putin byron um you know all of this back and forth if you talk on capitol hill to democrats and republicans there's still pretty significant bipartisan support for supporting ukraine but there are cracks in the wall And there are increasing numbers of people saying, wait a second, is all of this money going to the right spot? Uh, And could we be doing more at home in this environment?
1: There are cracks in the wall. And the way lawmakers describe those feelings is they say they do not support a blank check for Ukraine. Uh, They don't really get a lot more detailed than that. But what Peter just described sounds like a blank check that that President Biden has endorsed. Now, a lot of times this trip has been described as symbolic, and I suppose it was symbolic of our continued support of of Ukraine. But I mean Peter is right, that there's a lot of dollars uh, involved here. And um, this is causing a lot of nervousness on the part of some Republicans at least. Uh, The problem is, problem is if you say I don't support a blank check, well, how much do you support? Do you support everything we've done so far, but no more, or a little more, or maybe less than what you know? It's 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 very unclear what the people who are nervous about Ukraine commitment uh, really want.
0: One, it's clear that the president views this uh, holding NATO together, this uh, support of Ukraine, as one of the positives of his presidency, uh, and it seems like he's in the process of laying that out, perhaps before announcing a re-election bid.
3: And those are very much intertwined, Brett. I think that in just what we've heard from Peter and Byron, you get the sense that his moment in history now is linked directly to the outcome of, you know, the war in Ukraine. So it's a big, big bet by this president. He, it was a historic trip for him to go to Kiev, Uh, Even the way in which it was done, Uh, you know, it's not just a plane flight, but the 10-hour train ride from Poland, uh, pretty incredible. But it's now stamped that he is the president who is determined to win this effort, and he has made it even bigger than a war against Russia. He has made it a war against what he views as authoritarians. Uh, such as the Chinese and the possibility that they would go into Taiwan. He is saying the United States is going to stand against any disruption of the established world order of sovereign states. This is a this is a historic claim here, and I don't think there's any way that you can separate the Biden presidency from it. Uh, you know, there's some Fox polls out. Indicating again that it's like I think 63 percent of Americans favor continuing support uh, for money, 64 percent in terms of favoring uh, sending more weapons. And when you get into the political, you know, argument here, it's Republicans are still about, you know, when it comes to the money, 50 percent weapons, 50 not 55 percent in support of President Biden on this front. Uh, but the question comes back to what you've heard from my colleagues, you know, is that when, when is enough? And are we on the path to saying, hey, let's let's have a deal here, let's get out of this uh, before it becomes a, a, a point of draining American resources?
0: Peter, you know, we've heard the Secretary of State speak out about the possible China direct action with lethal weapons to Russia. We've heard others in the administration. But if it happens, uh, it really throws into question the whole policy. You know, the president has said that he wants the U.S. to have a competition, not conflict with China. And he said that even after China was flowing, flying this spy balloon uh, over U.S., the U.S., and we didn't shoot it down until it kind of crossed over into South Carolina waters. Uh, if they continue to do this and they support with lethal weapons, Does the rhetoric change about China, or are we still in, we want competition, not conflict?
2: The rhetoric will probably change, but it's going to be a while. His big speech in Warsaw would have been a chance to lay down a marker and tell Xi, do not go into Ukraine and help the Russians, and help arm them, and help this invasion effort. Uh, He chose not to, didn't even allude to it, and so... uh, there's some reporting there's a big item in the new york times this week that uh, goes through all the recent efforts that china has made to make inroads in europe and it just hasn't been happening for them and there is uh, they draw the conclusion that that's why china is now getting closer and closer to russia basically nobody else is doing business with them at the moment um but whatever the reason uh, we don't know what this president is going to do we know he's known xi a long time and yet, for some reason, it is a big diplomatic effort anytime that the two of them are going to talk on the phone, even for just a couple of minutes. Um, but we, we don't know what the U.S. response would be.
0: Panel, we'll hold it right there. By the right, meantime, uh, domestically, uh, we are getting ready to see an onslaught, probably, of candidates in the Republican race. We've already got the former president, already have the former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador. Uh, but the Florida governor is bouncing around, as mentioned. And seems like he's setting up a run, perhaps after the legislative session in Florida in, in uh, June. But you're going to have others as well. It, it's amazing to watch already the former president go after Ron DeSantis uh, as a <laughs> rhino, as somebody who um, it doesn't operate well. Uh, former President Trump lives in the state of Florida where uh things have gone pretty well if you're the governor of Florida.
1: Yes, uh just Governor DeSantis is learning that one of his constituents in in Palm Beach is is not a fan. Um <laughs> I think uh I think Governor DeSantis has done a great job this week of telling everybody I'm going to run for president right now without officially running for president until a little bit later. By the way, he has a really campaign style book coming out at the end of this month too so i i feel pretty confident that he's uh he's he's running here um it, we will see more people if you look back at 2015 when remember there were like what, 16 or 18 candidates in the republican race most of them uh declared later than this in in 2015 some in, in april and may so I, I think um uh governor uh Haley was a little bit early in this um and that that gave her the honor of getting whacked by the by the president some although the nastier attacks are coming at her from the left really but I, I think the the field is not at all fully formed but I think you you've seen with this greater sense of vulnerability about Trump that it's going to be bigger rather than smaller
0: and do you expect this to get ugly
3: the whole dynamic between trump and desantis by the way you know byron was laughing but i think you were hesitant Brett. but i mean he the kind of attacks that trump has launched against desantis shows him as a high school teacher with young women and you know you know i mean it's just ridiculous it's just it's, it's unbelievable uh i think with anybody else all of us would think this is this is comedy This is a satirical play on American politics, but it's real. So I think DeSantis, though, really would benefit if Trump didn't run because he has Trump-like appeal as a strong, especially culture wars leader for Republicans. If Trump is in the race, I think Trump kind of occupies that lane, but it does become a Trump-DeSantis contest. Then you have a, a lane that's open if we assume that about 30, maybe a little more percent of the Republican base is locked in with Trump, and if not Trump, then DeSantis, then you have people who are critical of the way Trump operated as president. Uh, People, you know, Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, Larry Hogan, former governor of Maryland, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia. I'm going through a list here, but I think you get the idea. These are people who are more willing, although not quite yet, to be critical of Trump. Nikki Haley, she's trying to be Trump-like but not make a case against Trump, saying that she's more like Trump policies. I think you get a lot of these others who are willing to say, we like some of the conservative policies of the Republican Party, you know, the, the social conservatism, the evangelical conservatism, the fiscal conservative supportive defense. But they're willing to separate themselves out from some of the Trump baggage.
0: Peter, last thing: uh, the White House has intimated uh, through Ron Klain and others that they would, they would love a rematch between President Biden and uh, former President Trump, and think that they're well positioned there, as the only politician who beat Donald Trump. It does it matter? Are they watching that closely? Do they think that Donald Trump is the candidate, and therefore? The president's going to announce this re-election, or is he kind of holding on uh, and and waiting to make this big announcement for a re-election bid?
2: Uh, I don't know that Trump is really factoring that much into Biden's decision. To your point, they would love to run against Trump again. They uh, know how to do it, and they think that they could do it again. Um, but if you notice, more recently, uh, the president is going out, he's, he's assailing uh, Republicans as a whole, he's talking about uh, he's accusing them of wanting to make cuts to entitlements and Social Security and Medicare and stuff like that. Uh, he very, very rarely talks about Trump or the the MAGA Republicans. That was like a midterm thing that's kind of washed away. And uh, now he'll spar with them at the State of the Union and just kind of ignore them uh, as they as they watch with the rest of us to see the Republican field taking shape.
0: Six times in that State of the Union, he said. There are forgotten people in America, and I hear you, uh, which is kind of former President Trump's uh, cap-and-trade in 2016 and other places. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much. Peter, safe travels. Now for a bit of history. On February 21st, 1972, President Richard Nixon embarked on a week-long trip to China. Dixon was the first president to visit the People's Republic of China since it was established in 1949. The trip created relations between the United States and China that would shift the balance of the Cold War and help China expand economically into the 21st century. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Juan, Byron, and Peter, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.